Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks on the block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. Drink it in. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on? We are back, and we are back after the draft. Now, normally, this is when I introduce Grifka, but Grifka, you don't get an intro today. And you know why? Hold on. Don't even answer. You don't get to talk yet. Because, Grifka, we're coming off the draft. It's incredible time. We got all things to talk about. Before we even get to that, Grifka, you owe the people, you owe the Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers an apology, bro. A big apology. You want to know why? Yeah, actually, why? Okay, I'm going to tell you why, and then you better have a prepared statement ready to apologize to these people. Because you talked all that noise leading up to the draft. I watched the games. I know more than you, Oakry. I, uh, you know, I've got to, I know these players. I mean, I watched the games, all that other gibberish you said. Then what happened came the draft. After pick eight, you checked out. You barely even were around for picks two and three. You fell asleep. You didn't send your picks in. You didn't. I banned you from all podcasts because I don't even think you watched the draft. And now I, I let you back on the show. I mean, talk to me. Talk to the people. Like, tell them sorry, first and foremost. And then explain yourself because you, you said you were a draft expert. You got Mel Kuyper on speed dial. And then you don't even show up. You barely watch the thing. Like, I think that's absolute Bush League garbage. And I feel bad for the people, even though some probably didn't, didn't miss you because we filled them up with podcasts. Me and Hughes busted our tail on the Google sheet. And it was an incredible draft. Loved it. Talk to the people, apologize, and then let's talk about this uh, draft by the Detroit Lions. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, first, I want to apologize to everybody about that. You're right. After the Lions drafted the next great Hall of Fame tight end, TJ Hawkinson, um, I was just reeling from that, so I just had to stop before uh, I let the, my uh, my words get away with me on Twitter. So I uh, had, had to cut it out there. I did watch the end of the first round, though, hoping they would, like, trade up and draft maybe another tight end like Brandon Pettigrew or something like that. Um, second and third round, yes, I, I did watch that as well. Um, sorry, on four through seven, I had other obligations that, that day. I mean, I watched a little bit of it, but uh, my three daughters would not have been too pleased if I just sat there and watched, uh, you know, NFL draft all day as opposed to it being a nice weather day. I had to take them somewhere. Sorry. <laughs> Family came first at that point, but I did catch round six and seven, so. And anyways, with your draft expert, I remember you kind of busted me on my round of dra- my rounds of drafts, you know, saying this guy's terrible. This guy sucks. Mike's only saw this guy once. And it's funny because my second round pick that I took for the Lions, that guy went what? You know, he went late in the fifth round. So you're right. I was wrong there. I overreached for that guy. Um, I took Oliver in the tight end of the third round as a tight end. Where'd he, he went in the third round. Um, then I took, was it um, 
was it the, the offensive center out of Georgia? You're right. I overreached for him, too, because I took him in the fourth, and he actually went in the sixth. Um, then I took Bryce Love in the fifth, which you made fun of, and he went in, like, the third. Um, I took Miles Boykins in the sixth, and you made fun of him, and he went, like, in the third. So, um, yeah, you're right. Okay. I, and then I took Dieter later in the seventh round and you made fun of me on that and i believe in the second or third as well to miami so you're right all these guys that i didn't know anything about where i was able to catch them sliding late yeah they went way early in the actual draft so you're right i don't know anything about anything anything so you know i do apologize that i actually you know let guys that got drafted you know slide you know earlier I, i was able to get them in my mock draft later so you're right i don't know anything about these guys these guys are terrible so i do apologize once again for my misinformation for undervaluing guys that other nfl teams took high can can i talk again yeah well i want to get my apology in so uh, okay that that was a that was a terrible apology the people uh need to send their hate tweets to at grifka dkc first of all uh you know i knew you were going to come up with excuses now is this not a is this not a draft family oh yeah yeah is this not a, a two days that you could you could take off and and go do anything you want the other eight million weekends there are i mean seriously but but what i really want to get at you because like you said you know, your daughter's family, no, no doubt. But I get so frustrated that people can't like have one or two days to enjoy something like this comes around once a year. And you talked all that noise. Secondly, like you didn't even apologize to the people and, and nobody wants to hear about your mock draft, Grifka. What we want to hear about is when they were on the clock. Uh, I hate to call you out in front of the people, but that's kind of what I do here. And somebody's got to keep you accountable. Like, I won't even tell the people what you said after the TJ Hawkinson pick. I shouldn't even let you back on the show. I think you dropped an explicative about our favorite football team. And then secondly, when you, when it came to your on-the-clock picks, Grifka, I think it was like when we were asking you, hey, Grifka, who you got? I mean, the first round, you said Ed Oliver. Okay, great. That's who I wanted, too. You were awake then. Second one, I think we did get your pick. I made you pick first. You said Justin Lane. I was like, oh, man. Grifka picked Justin Lane, and that's exactly who I was considering him and a couple other people, and that's who I liked too based on his age, size, all that type of stuff. Then, like, your next couple that you sent in while you're out, you know, whatever you're doing, like, you, you drafted two offensive guards, like, back-to-back, you know? The, the key, Grifka, is getting your picks on the clock when the draft is going so we can hold you accountable year after year so you can't come back in two years like you're going to. And two say, offensive guards. Wait, wait. Two offensive guards back to back. Yeah, you took McGovern, and then the next pick you're like, oh, give me give me Pershbrier, the uh, center for Alabama. Like, really? Those were your two picks, Grifka, that you wanted, or did you not understand the contest or what? Like – so, so that's that's when you're held accountable for if you know what you're doing, not when you did some random mock draft in early April and, and then come back and say, look, I got these guys three rounds earlier than they actually went or later or whatever the case is. Like, the thing is watching the draft and then when the Lions literally go on the clock, you got like three minutes to actually like make your real pick. So then we can look back in five years and go, Krifka, what the hell were you doing in the fifth and seventh round? You have no clue. That's the point. So I don't want to belabor this forever, but that's what you cheated the people on and, and us on is you were acting like you were going to nail people in the seventh and fifth round. And we didn't barely get your pick after the third round. Sorry, man. Other obligations. Oh my gosh. That's, that's, that's Bush league. You know it. The people know it. We'll keep it moving though. Uh, we got better things to talk about, <laughs> but I thought you should have gave the people a genuine apology and, uh, and you, 
you know, like I said, all the hard work we put in for the Kool-Aid cast, but that's okay. We'll, we'll keep doing the heavy lifting, Grifka. Just show up and, and do the catchphrases. Uh, we'll, we'll be good. So That's what people every- remember are the catchphrases. Yeah, sure. Um, so everybody uh, had to get that off my chest. Thought Grifka would give you a better apology. I apologize for him and for him sleeping and for him not showing up in the draft and for him not making his picks. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now that you're back, uh, what'd you think? Give me an overall, and then we'll kind of break it down from there. What'd you think about what the Lions did? Rounds one through seven. Well, we already know what I thought about the Lions, uh, first round draft pick once again we hashed that out before so um i guess if you really want me to bring that up again uh i'll just say all it does is to, uh it fills a need okay so there that's what uh that's what uh we'll go with that one right there um as for their second round pick um gosh to be honest with you i mean i know i said i watch a lot of football but to be honest i've never seen that guy play it down I, I couldn't tell you anything about him. I had to do some looking up after this guy. I had to, you know, pull up pull up some video of him afterwards, you know, which I did to see exactly what, uh, you know, what he did and some of his stats right there. So, I, geez, I, once again, I'm still not really sold on the guy. I, I don't know. He played in a, he plays in a, uh, was it a um, smaller Come conference on. out west? So. He did rack up a lot of tackles, though. So, I guess uh, the rumor was that uh, that uh, New England was looking at him as well. So, uh, I guess uh, we'll have to we'll have to live we'll have to live with that and go on from there. How do you so, pro- how do you pronounce his name, Grifka? How do you pronounce his name? Pronounce his name for the people. Make sure that you know what you're doing. Talking about <laughs> was it? It's uh, was it? I was. The Tavai is his last name. I can slaughter his first name or whatever. Jelani. Jelani Tavai. Okay, continue. Jelani Tavai, continue. Try not to put the people to sleep, man. Come on, let's move this thing along. (laughs) Well, I know they're, I know they are, uh, they're, they're hanging on the edge of their seat. So, uh, that's all, that's all I'm doing right now. Um, (laughs) so, uh, then, uh, their, their next pick, uh, Will Harris, um, to me, I mean, I heard, you know, just things about him, you know, big team leader, captain of the team, big hitter. To me, I just, I'm afraid he may just be another, uh, um, Miles Killebrew. I mean, I did see probably about, you know, four different Boston college games. I didn't watch a whole lot of video on him, but, uh, you know, it seemed like the game thing wasn't, I mean, I, I didn't see a whole lot about him. So I don't, I don't know if he's just another Miles Killebrew or not. So, uh, what do you mean uh, you watch the games, Griff? What, what did that one game tell you that you maybe saw this? Well, game? I saw, I probably saw about four Boston College games <laughs> last year. I didn't watch a whole lot of Boston College. I did see him play a few games in the ACC. Why is he so, Miles Killebrew to you? Big hitting safety. That's what Miles Killebrew was when they drafted him. Big hitting safety. <laughs> Guy's supposed to be a strong hitting, you know, big hitting safety. Oh, That's what Miles Killebrew was. You know, sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Okay. 
yeah, do you, so know, you, do you know a whole the, bunch of different stuff right there. Okay. Do you know Will Harris runs like a four four lower? I mean, I, I don't think Killebrew was that in, in that range. I mean, was Killebrew a team captain, team leader for four years or whatever it was? I don't think so. But but good comparison. Keep keep going. Okay, Will Harris also drops his head and misses tackles, and the guy busts the you know. He, he stuff he does that's one of the big knocks on him as well he misses he misses open field tackles so there you go anyways I, I'm, I'm i know you probably didn't see that nugget because you don't look at the warts of the player i mean all you do is see the sunshines and rainbows so anyway um austin bryant the defensive end out of clemson i like that pick there um it's one of the you know besides filling in need i think austin bryant was probably one of the more underrated guys on that clemson defensive line uh, other guys on that uh on that defensive line, got a lot of pub. But I think I, th- I really like the Austin Bryan pick. Um, Awari, once again, we were all tagging this guy in the second round pick, getting him where they got him. As you know, very very happy with that. Uh, Travis Fulgham. Now you're going to make fun of me. I only saw him play one game, and that happened to be the Virginia <laughs> Tech game. And it seemed like every time a big play was made, he was he was the guy on the other end of you know catching the ball. I mean, he's fast. Um, he 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 runs good routes. Um, but uh, I, I, that pick right there, I, I think uh, in a couple of years he could – I'm not saying he's going to be dominant, but I, I do believe he could be a really good number two for this team. Uh, Ty Johnson out of Maryland. Um, I think uh, he's got some speed. And Maryland – he was one of the guys that um, had a big game against um, Ohio State last year with with um, his good speed. So I, I don't know if that guy's – I don't know if that guy's more of the uh, Theo Riddick – replacement that we kind did of you, talked about or not, but I know he can also be a kick returner and punt returner as well. Did, did you watch that game, Griffka, Maryland, Ohio State? Yeah, because that was one. I, I like to watch Ohio State hoping they lose. <laughs> so when that game it was one of those games, like, you know, I started watching it probably midway through the first quarter. I'm like, hey, Maryland's still in this, you know, so I'll flip to it and I started watching it. So, yeah, I, I did watch that one. Um, okay. George tight end, Nuada, we had talked about this guy. Uh, if he's, if he's anything on the team, he's just going to be a red zone threat. I don't believe he has a whole lot of speed. He's big body. Um, I believe he'd be able to use that in the red zone, but, um, maybe that's the same thing that we got Hawkinson for. So I'm not quite sure about that one. And then, uh, the last one, the defensive tackle out of Arizona. Um, he's a big body. He may be the, uh, replacement for snacks in a couple of years. I don't know if that's what they replay that they drafted him for, but uh, big body, pretty quick. Um, he's pretty quick off the ball, but uh, that might be one of those things. Where, um, he may not really see the field for a couple of years. So overall, I mean, first couple draft picks wasn't eh, kind of a hand about, but the <laughs> middle of the draft, Bryant, uh, Warrior, Fulgham, Johnson. You know, really like those picks. I'm glad, though, that you've seen Will Harris. I'm sure you've watched a lot of Clemson games. I'm sure you caught a couple Penn State games and some Ty Johnson. So those will probably be your faves because, you know, you watch the games, okay? But uh, just because we haven't seen the guy from Hawaii, Grifka, doesn't mean anything. Yeah, he was off the radar. Everybody heard my review. If you didn't, you can go back and listen where I broke it down for 45-some minutes talking about these guys. Some of Grifka's nuggets, I'm sure, came from that podcast that he just gave you. But, uh, yeah, man, I – uh, you know, what I thought about this draft in a really small capsule was like it was it was a scheme draft and it was a leadership draft and it was a measurable slash, you know, swag kind of draft where these guys can can run fast. They can hit they big. They're long and they uh, fit this scheme. So I think that, you know, they weren't the names of the fans except for a couple people. Uh, but hey, 
Uh, I've heard a good point today on the radio and whatnot. People are saying, remember when Matt Millen was drafting all these names and we were getting A's and B's and then those guys ended up being out of the league in two years. Like, you know, maybe it's time that we start taking people that are a little off the radar, but they can play football and can uh, fit the scheme and uh, have upsides. So I, f- I feel better about it the, lo- the later it's gone. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, head fake you. Like there were times in the draft where I was like, they took who or, or why they reach for that guy. But, you know, when you start digging into it a little bit more, it makes more sense. So th- I think there's some upside in this draft. There's some diamonds, hopefully in the rough, you know, TJ Hawkinson is a guy that I have no worries about as far as like his baseline and, and some of his skills, but I just, I'm curious where the ceiling is and can this guy be premier? Or will he just be, you know, better than average for most of his career? I think that'll really make a big difference with this draft, but um, Hey man, like you say, I thought uh, Bobby Quinn and Matt Pat looked excited about the picks. You know, it, I'm going to trust in them and, and think that these guys need to not only fit our scheme, but our culture. Hopefully these are culture guys, you know, a good handful of these and, Hopefully they can stick on the roster. So that's my uh, quick take. And like I say, if you want to hear more, you can listen to uh, one of our previous shows, as Grifka always says. So Grifka, with all that being said, what do you think overall about value? You know, we talk about that a lot. It's always kind of where did the guy get drafted? Who else was on the board? What rounds do you think maybe they got value? What rounds do you think you know, they may be reached or, or didn't get the type of value you get at that pick. Now we know you're going to go on your 10 minute diatribe about tight ends and, you know, you can shorten that up, but I'm curious about some of these other picks, like where you thought. Uh, the biggest value would also kind of be the biggest surprise on where the lines were able to get a warrior. He seemed like probably one of the top, the top 10 cornerbacks in the, uh, in, um, in the draft. And we saw that based on a lot of people's, you know, um, mocks out there. Uh, a lot of people I'm going in the second round, third round, but just the way the board fell with uh, only one cornerback going in the first round and leaving a whole lot of defensive backs for the second round, that's where I'm, they started to get, you know, ate up. So that just pushed him farther down. So I mean, he wasn't he wasn't Rocky Sin, but... Hey, you know. Rocky Sin was a lot closer to the first round than he was the third round. I just want to let you know that. Um <laughs> But getting a I'm warrior. Just, sli- just letting it slide. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> it's the truth. Um, but uh, getting getting a warrior where they got him, I, I really, uh, I, I you know that when I know that was one of the texts when you guys were texting back and forth. I happened to be doing something with my kids. I'm like, who'd they get? And you guys mm-hmm. told me. I'm like, wow. You know, we we were looking at this guy in the second round. So, you know, very Griffith Grif- Grif- wants us to feed him the picks. Everybody like he can't go to ESPN or he doesn't have an app where he can watch while he's out eating dinner or playing in the park or whatever he's doing. Come on, man. It's 2019. You're asking us like, Hey, feed me the picks. I was like, go find them yourself, buddy. Now you're on Twitter. It takes two clicks. You can know who's getting picked. I mean, sorry. I'm doing stuff sorry, with my kids. I find it rude to sit there and like stare at my phone the whole time. That's my, so that's you, my tell your, you tell, job. It's not you my tell job. your buddies, you tell your buddies to feed them to you so that you don't have to do any work. I got you. Yeah, see you that way. Um, you could you can see I didn't send you sh- crap after that. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, it's cool though, man. I can live with that. I slept well that night. Don't worry about it. Um, so did I. I. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, you got to get your Z's, three Z's. Then you'd be asleep. Um, I missed <laughs> the bell there. Uh, I also like the uh, Travis Fulton pick. I think the value on him. He's big, fast. I know. Was it? Uh, 
Um, like I said, the one game I watched, but even Old Dominion didn't have, you know, that good a team, but he was definitely one of the stars on this team, especially against Virginia Tech when they upset him last year. So I really like that pick. I think that's going to be one of those guys where we often talking about those late round wide receivers, hoping they stick, give them a couple of years. But I'm I'm a firm believer that Travis Fulgham will be one of those guys that is here for uh, for a few years, and um, maybe one of those Marvin Jones replacements um, sooner than later if he turns out to um, be maybe what they think he can be. He um, he may fill that role when uh, the Lions decide to part ways with uh, Marvin Jones. Grifka, since when do you like big, fast, tall receivers? When when did that happen? Because all you've been doing is ragging on people for forever about about that kind of stuff. Uh, no, I don't overvalue guys who just have, you know, speed and they can't run anything else, and they're all projected to be like a first round pick because they ran a nice forty at the combine. So that's what that's what that is. But uh, that's a good value pick, Travis Fulton, where they got him. That, that's a really good value pick right there. And that's that's what you were asking about. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with you. That was a guy that I had on my list, but. I want to say Big Hughes had sort of caught him in the combine or said, you see, like, something about him. I was kind of like, ah, Old Dominion. You know, I knew he had size and he did decent in the drills and whatnot, but the way he could jump and get the football and also, um, you know, kind of high point it or catch it in traffic as well as uh, if he gets it with a head of steam, man, he can get up and and get going too. So uh, I thought, you know, if you slot him in as a backup, you know, me and you know he's – He's he's right away better than uh, T.J. Jones, your boy Andy Jones. I mean, any other Jones we got on the roster, this guy can walk in uh, blindfold and be better than that bum. So, um, you know, I'm happy about that. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, you nailed it. I mean, everybody talks about a warrior is kind of like, you know, why do you fall? Like, you know, in that second, third round, get him in the fifth, great value. I mean, he's still got to come in and play. I mean, I feel like there's – there's some great things to his game. There's also some misses, but I love his length, his overall size, his ability to, you know, make some turnovers as well as uh, come up and, and probably be at least serviceable in the run game. You know, that was our big thing. I know Big Hughes, he took greedy and our, our on the clock picks. And I asked him why, you know, we had, we had written him off based on tackling his overall mentality, all this stuff. And he just felt it was too much of a talent there in the, whatever it was mid second round to uh, let him keep sliding by. But uh, I, I, I like that corner ad and the receiver, but I think, you know, I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised with Jelani, man. The more I see about him, you know, this guy, like, are you sold on like the like Samoan lineage Grifka? There's, there's been a lot of like Samoan or Hawaiian type that are pretty, pretty nasty football players when it comes to hitting toughness play into it because he you know I saw him doing the war dance and I'm thinking man if this guy loves football and he's got that like big body to play middle linebacker I think he could he could surprise I mean his highlights he's chasing people down and and tackling kind of all over the field like I think there's some upside there yeah I would agree with you and I know you don't like me to talk about this but um like Samoans the Polynesian with football is kind of like the Dominicans with baseball for me, it's like bred into them and they really drive and strive for it. It's like, it's their ticket. And and I I don't know, a while ago I saw something on ESPN um, probably a few years ago and they actually talked about that. Like, um, like the football players that grow up in Samoa 
and like what they really kind of have to go through. Like they showed like one of their football fields that looked like something me and you play backyard football on and, you know, just beat up and they just have this drive to like, and, um, you know, to get off the Island and play, you know, pro football. And I'm not saying, you know, that doesn't happen here in the States where there's a lot of players that are, you know, driven to make the pros that that's not what I'm saying at all. But I don't know if it means a little more to them, if it's something, you know, with like their family, because that was what a few of the guys um, that they had interviewed said, you know, it's just like to be able to go back and help them out. And because where they're from, they just don't have a whole lot. So to be able to go back and help provide and that they're really driven for that. So that, that mentality, that drive, the determination, I, I think it'll be a, a big, a big plus with this, with, uh, with uh, Tavai. So, uh, yeah, I do believe in, you know, your question, do I believe in that? Yeah, I think it's kind of, I think it's really bred into them that way. Yeah, I think, you know, people are writing it off and other people are coming around now that they've sort of read up and look at the scheme fit. But like I say, man, that's going to be a big draft pick for years to come in regards to not only did they hit, how impactful is he, like, does he hold up? Is he fast enough? You know, can they move him all around? Like I've been hearing, you know, all that type of stuff. So I think round the, the pick in round two will be super important. You know, I, I've really liked what I've seen from Will Harris, you know, in the third round, there were quite a few other players that I liked, but you know, again, I'm really excited about a three safety. Look, I feel like that is the new way of the NFL. I feel like a safety, if they can cover hit and run around, um, that really is very, very valuable, and not only in today's NFL, but just in general when you're talking about covering people, playing the run, you know, tur- getting turnovers. Like I feel like Harris is a guy that can run and hit you and get the ball out type of guy. So I think those will be real important, but uh, let's not sell these late picks short either. You know, everybody writes those off like, oh, they're just going to be camp bodies, as Grifka would say, or, oh, they don't matter. I'll just go dink around and do something else because who cares about rounds four through seven of the draft? Like I think it's real important, and that's going to kind of separate our football team in the long run. Yeah, the only late-round draft pick that I really question is that, that Nuwata pick. I mean, I know when we had talked about him on a previous show, you're like, yeah, seventh-round flyer, okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about that one. That one, I'm just kind of with all the guys they signed, and, uh, yeah, it's just – I understand they're, they're trying to replenish that position to make it uh, – to make it a dominant unit on on the team, but uh, I, I I don't know about that pick. That one's the one I'm kind of scratching my head about. See, like, and I admitted on my other show that I I literally like ran that guy down after the combine. But then when he's just sitting there late in the seventh, I feel like you're gonna lose a Mike Roberts, or you're gonna like that Logan Thomas experiment's gonna be pretty short lived. You know, if these guys coming out playing, but you know. This guy to me is, uh, I didn't really know his high school pedigree. He went to Georgia, like, okay, he didn't blow up the combine. He's not as fast in a straight line, but they said he gets open. And and if he can be better than our current guys, I mean, I guarantee he's probably better than Luke Wilson was last year. I mean, the guy didn't do anything here. So, you know, if they really value the tight end, getting a, a guy like that that went to a big school, has a little bit of pedigree, and maybe just didn't test well, but they think he fits, I think uh, I'm supportive of that because had they taken him in the fourth round, you know, where he was going in a lot of mocks before, that's when I wrote him off and said he's an undraftable late-type player. But 
you know, sometimes I don't mind those picks in the seventh round. Uh, you know, I'm real excited to see Nick Bodden this year, our, our fullback that we took. I mean, I feel like he was, you know, oh, what are you taking a fullback for? And then he got hurt. And then this year I expect him to come in and just pound people in the run game, uh, help us out a, a quite a bit. You know, I, I feel like he's a presence there. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Let's, uh, let's, let's move along. Griff. I do want to note real quick, because as we're talking about values and fits and things, let me name a couple of the undrafted guys. I have a couple of them here. And then uh, there were two other names I want to bring up quickly. So Malik Carney is a defensive end out of North Carolina. Looked to me like a kind of a stand-up rusher, a guy that I, I'm not sure if he has some jack linebacker ability or if he's a you know motorcycle stance guy that kind of stands up and comes off the edge. But you know I know he, he has some – he was kind of expected to go maybe late in the draft – you know, he had visited the Lions, so I think there might be some potential there. Trey Lamar is a guy that I talked up. I had heard, you know, late in the process, you know, second, third, maybe fourth round range for this guy. He goes undrafted, and people are like, oh, he's he's just a thumper. He's just a, a two-down linebacker. Well, hello. That's kind of what we do nowadays uh, with the Lions is we basically have these big-body tacklers. That, um, they took this Nate Beckner. I'm trying to remember if this is the guy that I had I was listening to Eric Schlitz podcast and he was talking about this move tight end that could be on the practice squad but could be a, a matchup nightmare moving forward. I can't remember if it's Beckner or if it was another guy that I don't have here on this short list. I had to look that up further. But what I want to bring up, Griffith, just keep on our minds is the two offensive linemen, man. They went out and they got um I've learned this name, Griffith. Let's see if I can get it. I was calling him B-E-A-U because I didn't even know how to say his first name, even though I drafted him in our uh, dynasty, I believe that was. I mean, he was his dynasty picks. But it's Bo Benchwaggle, I believe is his name. Uh, right guard from Wisconsin, absolute beast, top-rated run blocker in the nation, I think it was, from PFF. Has uh, basically started, I think, three or four years at Wisconsin. Like, he can come in here and be a depth guy and then also – you know, work his way up the charts. I could see him plugging and playing there at right guard if, if nobody else shows up and, and fills that role. And then Pope, man, we took this big old tackle, 6'7", 320, 30 pounds. Um, I forget even his first name, but Pope, a uh, great project, big old dude, super long with crazy feet. I love it. They were able to take those type of guys undrafted. And those guys had 20 other offers or so from other teams. And they decided to come to the lions because they saw opportunity and they see, we see that, Hey, you know, we gotta be a little patient maybe with these guys, but those could turn out to be gold too. So I wanted to throw those out there and then I'm going to throw it back to you. Griff could have talked about fits who fits this team really well. And, and what do you see some of the fits for a couple of these players? Just give me a couple. Are you talking the draft guys or the undrafted guys? Both. Just uh, do you see a couple of guys that fit right into exactly what we do, exactly like be able to make an impact pretty early, stuff like that? Um, early out of the draft guys, um, gosh, I, I would have to say Bryant um, and uh, Will Harris would be, would be the two guys I would look for to impact early. Um I mean, we, I mean, I know I always say it and you make fun of me that, you know, tight end is one of the hardest positions to, you know, transition from. So if anybody's expecting, you know, you know, Tony Gonzalez, Rob Gronkowski stats out of TJ Hawkinson as a rookie, that's not going to happen because it just seems like rookie tight ends like never do that. So um, 
it might be a couple a couple of years before we actually see the fruits of that draft right there with him. So it really um a warrior could also start depending on what they're planning to do with him. Um like I said, that's a guy that we thought would go earlier and he actually fell. So uh those would be the three guys drafted I would look to maybe produce early on this team. Um undrafted guys, um probably the one like you said the, the the offensive guard out of Bo, you know, I don't want to slaughter his last name, simply because that, that guard position's open. That uh, I think that's going to be a big competition. You know, he plays, you know, in a pro set up at Wisconsin, they're road graders, and they're looking to be a, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, at least, you know, really establish a run, pound the ball. So if he's a guy that can do that, um, he may be, he may contribute early as well. Um, I, I really like the Trey Lamar signing as well. Like I said, he's a thumper, but if that's one of those guys that, you know, short yard situations, they can put him down there, you know, be a tackler, takes good angles, makes, makes tackles. Um, he, he could also be a guy that would, uh, that, that could produce early for the team. So on most of those, you pretty much agree with me. Yeah, I agree with you. But <laughs> All right. Well, one, thank the you. One, I, the one, let me, now, the one guy I really hope develops is, like you said, Pope, the guy from San Diego State. I, I, I don't know that size, if that would translate well to a left tackle, maybe a right tackle position, and he can be the uh, replacement for um, Wagner here at some point. But uh, I'm hoping a guy that size can uh, transition to the pros and develop something in a year or two. I mean, because that would just be a big right tackle, you know, up you know on the strong side of the field that I would really like to see him to develop. Yeah, he'd be more of a right tackle. He was compared, I think, to your boy, uh, Corey Robinson, was who somebody compared him to. So I remember we got, like, him or we got Corny Lucas. For me, I mean, I we already talked about Travis uh, Fulgham a little bit. Like, you know, to me, he wasn't a fit because I wanted that water bug small receiver. But, you know, I could see him making a pretty decent impact pretty early. Like, you know, a bigger guy that can sub in for Kenny and for Marvin, maybe learn both of those spots. And uh, due to injury or due to just opportunity, I could see him coming in and, and finding a role on this team uh, if they throw it, you know, with an increased run game. Like in two or three years, maybe we'll see the fruits of this labor. Like to me, he's the he's the ultimate fit. He's the perfect fit. He's the guy that comes in here right away from day one can do everything you want him to do is going to pick everything up really quickly. I think he loves football. I mean, you're so caught up in the, Oh, is he going to catch eight balls for 120 yards and a touchdown? I mean, we've already been over it about the stats about this, that, and the other, like when we're talking fits, how do they fit on this team? I mean, I think this guy fits like a glove and then you didn't, you didn't say much on PJ Johnson in the seventh round, but if you go and look at him, I mean, the guy looks physically basically like snacks. He's got the dreads. He's got the, the big, uh, you know, um, physique to him, got the weight, all that type of stuff. Like he could be a fit just as a backup role, a run stuffer, a guy that can develop. And then he gives us a little bit of wiggle room. If we're not able to keep a guy like snacks, maybe this guy in a year or two can be a similar type football player. I mean, that's a high, high lofty goal, but I think the fit was perfect. You know, there were other players that were higher upside or bigger names, but PJ Johnson to me is a fit for what this team does in the middle 
right at the nose tackle slash uh, defensive tackle over the uh, center type position. So those would be three I'd name off. So let's keep moving through these a little bit quicker. Let's give your, your top two guys in this draft that you feel they may have took for both leadership qualities or that could maybe bring some leadership slash swag on the field that could uh, be beneficial. Uh, leadership wise, I would have to go um, to Vi. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to do it as a rookie real quick, but maybe if they plug him in and they have a uh, niche for him, he could be uh, one of those uh, stalwarts on the defense that uh, makes a lot of tackles out there, you know, just has a nose for the ball type player. So I think he's that type of guy that could come in here and be a, be a leader. I, I don't know right from the jump, but, you know, maybe second, third year down the road based on where this defense is at. Um, another one as well, I'm going to go back to Austin Bryant. Another one um, with that defensive line, depending on where it's at, um, he could be one in a couple of years as well, you know, depending on how he develops. If he becomes um, that opposite rusher, Trey Flowers, he could be another one that uh, could be a leader on that defense with um, some of the other fewer young guys, the defensive tackles after Snacks is gone. You know, he could be a, I, I think he could be a leader as well. Yeah, my uh, my two would be Will Harris. You know, I think he it was quoted as like when you go and ask people about Boston College, the first name they bring up to you is Will Harris, you know, from a – um, leadership standpoint, but also just who ran that defense. You know, that was kind of what I had heard about him. And then you, you hit on Austin Bryant. I had heard today, which I hadn't heard previously, that he was one of the Clemson captains, which made me uh, happy to hear because obviously, you know, Christian Wilkins is a was a beast and Cleveland Farrell was a really high character guy as well. But to hear that Austin Bryant was selected as a captain for that team you know, made me feel good um, as well as him fighting through injuries and some of the stuff he showed. So I put those two on the leadership scale. And then uh, I don't think you're ever going to see leadership out of like a TJ Hawkinson. I just think, you know, be a, a, a football player, put his head down, but I don't think he's going to be gathering people together and, and getting them going. And uh, you brought up Tavai. I think that's a, that's a unique one. Cause I haven't really heard much saying that he is the total leader, but when you are in the middle there or when you're a linebacker, I think that uh, hopefully he does show that. So I think I think this draft was big on that, though. Again, they went big on character and big on um, captains, leaders, mature guys, guys that have played multiple years. I mean, a lot of these guys have played three, four years of football, which when you're productive at the college level with that kind of years, it usually does you know pan out to success at the next level. So I'm excited to see what they bring, not only with their play, but maybe some leadership. And like I say, some excitement. I want to see some guys out there laying the lumber on people and, and celebrating and having some fun afterwards. I think it takes some of that to win in the NFL as well. So Grifka, I've run you down. I try to get you to apologize to the people. You didn't do so. I mean, I, I wouldn't uh, blame them if they, if they get after you on Twitter and hate you for that. Um, we've had a bunch of fun talking about this draft, but this is what they've all been waiting for, man. It's like two days, three days after the draft. What is the Grifka draft grade? I mean, the people are on the edge of their seat for this one. I'll tell you that. Because, uh, well, you know how I feel about the value of their first round pick right there and uh, seeing their second round, see if he can develop. So, I mean, right after, I mean, if you're going to talk to me Sunday night, I'd be like, D, D. But, you know, reading up a little more on these guys, I would, you know, like you said, how they fit what they're looking to do. 
I would uh I would go B minus C plus somewhere somewhere right there. Because I don't know if a lot of these guys will be helping the team this year, so uh, I would I would probably go C plus. All right. Um. So we should ask you in about three four years, Griffco, when it's obvious, and then you'll tell us your real grade. Well, yeah, we did uh, remember that show a few a few episodes ago where we did go back and talk about the draft three years ago and regraded it. So, yeah, three, three years. Right. Should be good. Well, <laughs> that's when you tell us the sky is blue when it's when it's nice out you know all that all those great takes you have after the fact um i'm surprised you went c plus because one of my favorite things for everybody out there listening about grifka is like he he's the best at covering himself both ways so he hates the pick with the day it happened he, he shoots off an explicative on the uh an expletive, I should say, on the uh, text. And then he comes around. He doesn't show up for multiple days. He shows up on the podcast, talks glorious about some of these guys, and gives them a above-average grade pretty much. So basically, he's hated the plus pick. Is, C plus is average, dude, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm getting you know, to that. C's get degrees, so, I mean, I guess that's the way you want to look at it. <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I'm letting the people into your game. So what you normally do is right away you hate something. Then you come a little bit to the median, which is in the middle of, eh, I could see it be good. Maybe it won't be good. So now you've covered yourself if it's terrible. You've covered yourself on both sides of the fence. And then by the time the season comes around, you'll be loving, oh, man, Will Harris. He looked great when we were at practice. Oh, man, uh, just look at TJ Hawkinson. He's a real he's a real versatile piece for this team. I mean, I, I won't then, then you'll that. love it. And then after multiple years, depending on what really happens, then you'll say, I told you so. That's what you do. That's your game. We should do a show from training camp. That would be awesome if we could do that. <clears throat> because I can guarantee I'm not going to be saying, gosh, look at TJ Hawkinson. I know we're going to be going Andy Jones going, who's this guy in the corner? Look at him. He ain't even going to make the team. Gosh, I can guarantee that. But Okay. Well, mark this timestamp, everybody, because there will be times during this season where Griff will be singing the praises of most of these guys and loving hey, I guess the tight end was a value. I mean, maybe it wasn't a luxury pick. Maybe I've been wrong for a decade. So just, just mark this time. We'll get back to it, I'm sure. Not wrong on that tight end thing, so just to let you know. <laughs> a training camp podcast as well as a tailgate podcast live is probably going to happen, though. We're going to make that happen somehow. So, Grifka, we talked about a ton, man. Let's hit a couple questions I have for you, and then we'll, we'll close up this show and hit everybody back on Friday. How's that sound? Okay. So I just wrote a couple questions here for you to get your take. So, Grifka. Why did we take the linebacker in round two, in your opinion? Because the biggest fear was that the Patriots were interested in him. That's all you got? Pretty much right there. <laughs> can you pronounce his name again, just so I can know that you know his name? Jelani Tavai. <laughs> okay, good work. Uh, we've accomplished that on the show. So you just think it's only because of the Patriots. Like, to me, I think that you know, they, this was a need. I had talked to Hughes about like, we need some depth. Like if Jared Davis goes down, if Christian Jones gets hurt, we have really no good depth at linebacker. So I think it was depth. It was upside and it was scheme fit. So I think there were multiple factors, but it'll always be lore. If they could have waited who really wanted them. You know what I mean? There's been tons of talk about that in the media. So it'll be interesting. Grifka, this is, this is what I was going to call him. Like I was trying to find an and one mixtape clip. I don't know if you ever watched those, but there was there was AO from Philly. We're, we're just gonna call him AO from now on. Uh, <laughs> our, our, awesome. our new kinder, 
A.O. Oh, baby. Um, <laughs> in A.O. in the fifth round. I mean, why did he slip, in your opinion? I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I, I can't answer that myself, other than there was such a such a depth at you know defensive back that teams waited on him and it just pushed him down but even down to the fifth round geez i i have no idea why i could see him slipping out of the second into like the late third you know early fourth but where the lions got him in the fifth that one's it's still i mean that one's a knock and scratcher to me i'm glad he's there i mean i've never heard anything (laughs) bad about him or any injury concerns or anything like that but I mean, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i with you. I don't really have a reason. You know, it really wasn't any injury concerns. There's no character concerns. Speed was fine. It's overall height and everything was fine. I mean, me and Hughes, again, Griff, I know you were sleeping and didn't care about football, but we did a show. And, uh, like, we just said – you have a better chance of figuring out the lottery numbers than predicting NFL drafts. I mean, we spend tons of time on this. We read up, we think we have it somewhat pegged. And like by round three, like it's just a crap shoot of who these teams were going to take, but I'm glad we have him. Who cares why he slipped? He slipped and we took him and everybody out there, let's jump on board. And I know this nickname's easy, but Ayo. uh, and he's, he went to Penn State. AO from the N1 mixtapes was from, uh, I think, North Philly. Uh, had game crossover with Swaggy. Go watch some highlights of N1 mixtapes and just hear him all day saying, oh, AO, oh, baby. Hopefully we'll be saying that on Sundays. Oh, man, that'd be great. So uh, jump on board with that nickname, everybody. We'll get Griff could have do an oh, baby uh, after an interception or something one time during this year. <laughs> Last one I – Last one I got for you, Grifka. Why no right guard in this draft? They just seem to sort of completely ignore that position. Um, did address it, you know, in the undrafted as we've already talked about. But were you surprised? I mean, I, that was an obvious need, but they must think they have it cover, covered in other ways, or they just didn't value the position uh, that much to use a draft pick on it. What, what do you think? Was there a reason? Yeah, maybe they didn't value it as much, and the board didn't fall the way it would have if they were going to take, you know, a certain certain guy. If they really like this guy, and, you know, they're like, okay, you know, if he's there, we'll take him. But if not, you know, we have other plans. It's not like one of those things where, you know, you jump up four spots to grab him. You know, they they didn't – they weren't – I don't think they were in love with any of the guys. You know, so uh, maybe they thought, you know, with the signings that they had and – um who's on the roster and who they ended up getting after the draft, you know, the undrafted free agents, um, they're feeling okay about it. But I'm all I can think is that maybe the board didn't fall the way they, that they'd want to take a guy. And I don't think they were really in love with guys where they had to just jump up and, you know, uh, trade away some of their collateral draft picks, you know, to get, uh, to get a guard. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm basically with you there. I think that, um, you know, I was kind of happy after the fact, not only that they got who they got, but we've talked before about it does always come down to the player, but there are sort of draft values on different spots, people, positions in the draft, whatever it may be that we sort of go by. And I feel like, you know, they were able to get players that have more impact and then also able to not only cover themselves after, but I felt like, hey, maybe they believe in uh, – Abushi or uh, Wiggins or all these guys with funny names that we have uh, at the right guard position. So 
Uh, again, I trust in the management. I felt like they didn't think it was their biggest hole, even though it was pretty obvious to the fans that it was a big gaping hole at right guard. They figured they had it covered other ways, and it appears that they somewhat do. So I'm happy about that. One question on that really quick. Do you think maybe they they might wait for like the, you know that last round of cuts or whatever, and maybe there's a veteran out there that's been around for a bit? You know, they, they thinking maybe this guy will be cut from said team, and they might go might go that way, might make a run at somebody that way. It's possible. They still have all this money burning a hole in their pocket. I don't know what their plan is. I can't imagine they go into the season with thirty million just sitting there doing nothing. But I also don't think that you get a huge splash player at right guard. Everybody talks about like the offensive line needing to gel. So I don't think you just bring somebody in right before training camp at that type of spot. And, and just like with the tight end, like now that they have all these bodies, you know, I feel like Thomas, Mike, Rob, uh, or big Mike, sorry. And uh, you know, the, the guys we drafted, you know, they're going to have to figure out who's going to play. I mean, if you have a Bushy Wiggins, you bring in, uh, you know, uh, gosh, what was it? Bo Benchwa. That's the greatest name. I had no idea how to pronounce it earlier in the draft, but now I'm going to say that if I get a chance, maybe you consider it with a vet, but I mean, I'd also like to plug a, a decently young guy in there, or maybe somebody that hasn't had a chance and see them play. And, and like you say, on a great contract and Hey, that's a right guard, meat and potatoes, go play football. Yeah. The- that's what I'm hoping that uh, the guys they have here and they're not looking like right before, you know, mid training camp end of training camp, trying to bring a guy in that they can just plug in and the offensive line is going to be, you know, knocking guys around. So yeah, I like that idea of having somebody here and hoping one of those guys fill the spot. All right, man. Well, sounds good. I gave you a really hard time in the beginning, partly uh, for fun and partly because I meant it. Um, Grifka, I'm sure you can ask your daughters for three days off a year. That'd be the draft. Ask them if you can have uh, the draft off to enjoy with your buddies. Ask them if they can have a, a day where me and you are down at training camp and a day where we go to the Lions game. Two days this year for the Lions because you're going to Turkey Day also. The other 300 and you know, 62 days are yours, man. Do whatever the hell you want uh, across the board. Uh, can we make that happen or no? Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm glad we settled that. So, like I said, had fun off the top, uh, but um glad to have Grifka back on the show. Uh, we talked about the draft. We ran it down. We talked about some different categories of where these guys fit, who has leadership, all that type of good stuff, and uh, got some – Good questions to get Grifka's take here at the end. So we're going to go ahead and close up this show. Everybody, please. I know we've been reaching out on Twitter and on different forums. We'd love you to review us on iTunes. You don't know how much that helps us with, um, you know, our rating and, and people being able to find us. That really does help a ton. Doesn't cost you anything. Takes about less than a minute or two. Um, we've also been asking, you know, if people are loving the show, obviously tell a friend. If you're willing, I know others that love the show have reached out and, and support us with a little bit of a donation every month to help us get this website going and get a few other th- projects we've got on the uh, hopper going. So we love it if you do that. But please just keep drinking that Detroit Kool-Aid and uh, having fun with us here on the show. So for me and for Grifka, we thank you so much. We appreciate the support. We love talking Lions football. And we'll be back on Friday morning to talk all things Detroit Lions. Thanks, everybody. Take care. We're out. Pack the bag, stop the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. 
drink it in, man.